Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories. I'm Nathaniel Costia, and today I have a privilege to having a wonderful, to have a wonderful friend of mine as a guest. His name is Adrian Mare. He comes from South Africa, but lives now in Perth, in Western Australia. Has had an amazing journey that took him to Canada before he came to Australia. There's a lot. There's a lot to find out from this man. He really loves the Lord, and uh, he's, he gets a lot of insight, and he shares this insight with the people. He's a gatherer. He brings people together. He's a networker. I had the privilege to meet his wife, his beautiful boys, and uh, today we're going to hear some amazing stories of victory that the Lord has has given him. So, Adrian, welcome to uh, Kingdom Stories from Down Under. You are Thanks, Down Under Nate. now. You're in Australia. Uh, even South Africa's Down Under, isn't it? That's right. Southern Hemisphere. Do they ever right, call right it Down the Under? Of Africa. Do they ever call it Down Under? No. Yeah. No. Down under is always Australia. Always Australia. Yeah. What do they call South Africa? Uh, South Africa. <laughs> South Africa. Yeah. What about the Africans? What do they call South Africa? Um, the tip? The bottom tip? No? Yeah, the Cape. Cape. Oh, Cape. Yeah. Cape, Cape. Hope. Cape. Okay. But I think, no, mostly just um, referred to as South Africa. Most people think that that's Southern Africa, whereas... South Africa is the, the, southern, the southern tip, and it is a country. Yeah. So when you say South Africa, some people just think it's the southern part of Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did it all begin for you? So you were born in South Africa? Yeah, born in uh, Krugerstorp. Now, um, I saw that in your bio, and I didn't want to say it because I didn't <laughs> think I could say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Krugersdorp. Uh, Dorp meaning town. Yes, um, and, and Kruger was was one of the pioneers of South Africa, um, German. Pres- President Kruger. Was he, was he German or? Um, Dutch. Dutch. Yeah, Dutch. So would, would your background be Dutch, do you think? Um, half of South Africa is distinctly Dutch. Yes. And then there's a lot of other uh, influences, German, English, French. In fact, so my, my surname is from... Sounds French. It's French Huguenots. Okay. That escaped... Europe back in the 1600s, uh-huh. 1600s, 1700s, and so a lot of us South Africans with my surname would speak English or Afrikaans. Yes, you know, since the since the Boer War, there's been a wonderful marriage between English and Afrikaans. In fact, my wife's um, heritage is Afrikaans. My heritage okay. is more English. What language do you speak at home? English, distinctly English. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And uh, was that a town or a village or? Well, Krugersdorp is part of Johannesburg. Okay. So whilst it sounds like a, a, a small town, it's just part of this big metropolitan called um, Johannesburg. Okay. Um, it's part of the province, what's in the province called Gauteng. Gauteng. Again, um, I'll let you see. Within it. which you'd have Pretoria and Johannesburg and multiple other cities. Okay. Um, so I think, I think the population's must be f- five, 8 million, somewhere around there. Okay. 
Yeah, and uh, so there's three of you, yeah, in your family? Yep. Um, I'm the youngest of three. My brother lives in Canada. Mm-hmm. My sister's still living in South Africa. Okay. Mum and dad are still in, in South Africa. Yeah. Um, missing them tremendously with this COVID um, yeah. shutdown that we're were you, unfortunately in. Were you going there regularly once a year? Yeah. Well, I was going there about every two, two to three years, but... I would say just before COVID, I was starting too long to go back at yeah. least annually. What What's their ages? My dad's 77 mm-hmm. and my mother's, I think she's 76. Around there. Are they well? Are they healthy? Yeah, my, um, they've had knee replacements and hip replacements and my dad's had a few heart bypass surgeries. <laughs> just, and, just a few knee replacements and heart In fact, bypass. it's taught me a tremendous amount in, in endurance, never give up and that that's probably one of the most indelible legacies my father's left upon me is, is he's a tough man I never eh? give up always wake up in the morning and he always used to say cowboys don't cry you know okay so that was his motto or but, is his motto but you do cry oh absolutely yeah. and I've seen him shed a tear too that's nice yeah how was it growing up for you in South Africa uh, growing up in South Africa was wow well, a, a lot of my formative years, primary school, high school years, were really idyllic. Mm-hmm. Um, ignorance is bliss. We didn't know why it was so wonderful. You yeah. know, it just was. It was truly wonderful. What were your parents doing? What were they working? Uh, my dad was. My dad worked on the mines. Um, he started off as working in the, the compounds and then progressed to be a personnel manager, or what we'd call it, a human resources manager now. Yeah which meant that we, we moved around quite a bit. I mm-hmm. went to uh, more than 10 schools. And You're very well schooled. Up until now, I've lived in more than 30 homes. Wow. And that's not because people were chucking so it. We were, we were just moving around. There was no flying flyouts back there. Pretty no. much you moved, you moved where the work was. Yeah. And um, I mean... Nomads. In, in mining nomads. Mining nomads, but um, South Africa is so small by contrast to Australia. And um, there were these beautiful little towns located at all the mine sites. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just they didn't it's have not in the middle of the desert. Dongas in the middle of the desert. No, there were no. towns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in places like Namibia, um, there were uh, compounds put up similar to what we have here in, yeah. in WA. But yeah, we moved around a lot. So I went through a lot of school. So you know, you asked me what were, what were my early years like. Um, looking back. I moved around a lot, but when you're young, it was only as you're getting older, you're starting to miss the friends you're leaving yeah. behind each time. Yeah. Whereas when you're really young, you think the relationships almost like normal. That deep. No, no. Yeah. And so my final year in high school, um, I still have those friends today. So wow. those friendships became really deep. Valuable. And I became almost subconsciously desperate uh-huh. to have really solid friendships with people and okay. I, d- I didn't like the thought of even leaving Krugersdorp where I lived mm-hmm. um, which is quite a crazy so thought because I moved to Canada. You returned back to your your hometown after traveling all these places? Yes, yeah, so I was born in Krugersdorp and then moved to lots of little satellite towns around. So the parents never sold the house? Or? No, they, they, they when you worked on the mines the mines provided the house. Okay. You know, housing 
And it was only later on that my father and mother bought their own homes and settled down, mm-hmm. left the mines and started their own business and things like that. So, What's one of the greatest memories of being a child? Um, just the outdoors. Enjoying the outdoors. Whether it was going hunting or... Hunting? Yeah, with my father. Guns um, and all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What were you shooting? <laughs> uh, antelope. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Wild pig. On I wasn't on a big hunter drives, by any stretch of the road. drives? No, no, no. On foot. Foot. Yeah. Okay. On foot. So hunting is a big thing in, in South Africa. Yeah, it would be. Sporting. I have wonderful memories about uh, cricket, rugby, mm-hmm. boxing. Um, were you I, quite sporty? Did yeah, you enjoy? Yeah, yeah I was very enjoyed. sporty. Yeah. I, I boxed, I played rugby, played cricket right through to my final year in, in high school. Um, I didn't box to my final year in high school, although there were some out of the ring <laughs> skirmishes. <Boxing>. <laughs> <laughs> Girls? Yeah. Uh, I was actually more into cars and motorbikes and um, midnight adventures than than girls okay what did you want to do uh, what in career in, in or what high, at night no no in the high school years what were you thinking about doing um, as a career I had no idea okay I mean I ended up studying mechanical engineering so from year 12 you went to university story. or you went to college or in my final year in school we, we went through um, some sort of guidance program to at least try and land you on some career and I finally chose mechanical engineering as not an obvious fit, but the most likely fit. Yeah. Um, the most likely fit because I didn't know what else. And so I went to university, but it was whilst I was at university that uh, my first year out of school, I really started to explore um, the wilder side of life. Mm-hmm. When I say wilder, I mean... Um, Compared to my school years, it, it was wilder, freer, yeah. and but the, but it was really um, uh, close to cars and motorbikes, high speed, doing lots of crazy illegal stuff. No crashes, car, or falls. car chases, cop chases, um, being. And ending up in jail for a, for a day because of our shenanigans on the on the road. Mm. Um, Wasn't this? And it was just getting worse. It was not. What is it? Worse, but it was getting more risky and dangerous. And it happened rapidly. Just sort of like within a year or two, it was. No consequences. Like uh, yeah, there were consequences. I I rolled my father's Land Cruiser. I rolled my sister's car. I smashed my motorbike and I've. I had 10 operations on my legs over the years oh. um, because I just enjoyed the thrill. I enjoyed the thrill, but it wasn't on the, it wasn't on the go-kart track or on the bike track. It was just on thick the of it all. public roads, Very risky, of yeah. which I'm deeply regretful and mm. ashamed in, in one way, in some way. When I hear the hoons around Perth yeah. and when I see them on the beaches and in the bush, yeah. it, it, it angers me instantly. But I'm instantly reminded of my background that I was a I was a full blown hoon. What um, I mean, what do you attach that ignorance to? 
it's it's adrenaline. It's it's having. I had a knack for driving. Yes. Um, and I competed, and in, in latter years I won a lot of prizes, won a lot of money mm-hmm. competing in motorsport. Um, I wouldn't say professional motorsport, just sort of jamborees mm-hmm. for prize money and prizes yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Just fun, fun, yeah. fun stuff. And I raced go karts, so I loved it. Even as a kid, I really enjoyed go karts and motorbikes. So there was an honest, innocent love of motorsport in there. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't have boundaries. Mm. When I when I got my first motorbike, mm-hmm. and um, when I got my first car with some power, uh, I just was testing the boundaries all the time. And I had friends that fueled that yeah. sort of habit. So, yeah. And then, and then of course, um, you put a bit of alcohol in there. And, yeah. And horrible things can happen. Just jumps a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Then what happened? So you're in well, uni, you're, you're doing the, the high life, but really the low life as such? Yeah, so my first year at university, I, w- I would say, was really, um, I got involved with my first steady girlfriend. Were you living at home? I was living at home, commuting to university every day. Yeah. Um, and my, one of my best friends who actually lives here in, in Bunbury, who yeah. you know. Yes. He, intru- he introduced me to the the, the, the lady side okay. <laughs> of life, yeah. and uh, I got involved with this this girl and um, took my eye off university completely. Oh, and so my first year, I I dropped out of university for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and you know, given given the um, the night sports or the cars and a girlfriend I was really losing my, my way yeah but uh it's not like I didn't know that this is wrong yeah I always believed in God I was raised in a home where I knew what right and wrong was and my father held a very tight and straight line I didn't grow up in a home where the Bible was central to our lives I grew up in a home in a cultural Christian home where we have good moral principles and good a good moral and a visible um, a community offers a visible demonstration of the Christian life. Yeah. So I felt like a Christian because I grew up in a Christian yeah. home. But as as I got older, and especially in that first year out of school, I could feel that there's a, there's a severe distance, or there's a there's a big distance between my between my behaviour and what I know is right and wrong. And I, yeah. I just felt powerless to sort of change the behaviour. Yeah. Um, and cut a much longer story short, I ended up going to the military. Okay. I went to the military. So you dropped out of uni? I dropped out of uni. Kept then, the girlfriend? No, no, no. no. Dropped out of the and relationship? That was, that was part of a good thing. I, I knew that this is just um, not right. And I was sort of like caught up in the momentum of having this unbridled fun. Yes. But knowing in my heart, this is wrong. Yeah. And it's not to give me any credit, but I certainly sided with wanting to be on the right side. Mm. And I, um, I then decided with my parents that it would be better for me to go to the army. The army. 
two-year national conscription, which I did. Was that compulsory? It was compulsory. But if you went to uni, you didn't have to do it? As long as you stayed in uni. Ah. So, okay. So having left uni and not knowing what I'm going to do, it, it seemed like the, the right thing to do. Yeah. And get it, get it done with. And bide a bit of time to decide what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Joined the army, was shipped off to a, a place that looks very much like WA. It's called Uppington. Mm-hmm. It's in the Northern Cape, Northwest Cape. Very dry, arid, deserty area. On the coast or no? No, 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 no. Hun- hundreds of kilometers from, from the coast. Okay. Yeah, and it was there that I had the choice to either become a private or to go on an officer's course. Yeah. Which I then elected to go on an officer's course. And you had to really work hard. Uh, you had to continually prove yourself. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. And mentally for the officer's side of the, of the course. So I did that. And I was then redeployed down to another town called Oats, Oatswaran, mm-hmm. like Old Horn, which is on the on the coastline, um, in the Cape, and completed my officer's course there. But just before we completed our officer's course, we were shipped off to Ang- the Angolan border and deployed on the front front line. War. Um, yeah. So we had we had a act of war in, in that um, at that time. Yeah. Although it was at the end of that that war, yeah, it was still active nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I was deployed, but before they deployed, so you would us, have been twenty-one. I was 20, twenty. Twenty. Wow. Before they deployed us, as was the custom in South Africa, they first shared the gospel with you. Oh. Before they send you to the bush. This was common in the army. It was common in infantry school. Okay. And infantry school was South Africa's premier infantry school it wasn't special forces it yeah. wasn't the parabats or other special force um academies centers. Yeah. but it was our premier infantry school in fact we had a quite a good relationship with the israeli infantry mm-hmm. and um, we shared methods and all of that but before they shipped us off to the angolan border they shared the gospel with us yeah and it was when they shared the gospel with me, with us, the, 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 the preacher, the evangelist, towards the end of his sermon, he asked us to put our hand on our hearts and declare something that you would know that you are saved, yeah. that you have a right relationship with God. And I sort of put my hand on my heart and I wanted to, but I didn't. Don't know it. But I didn't know how to articulate it or discuss it with anyone. I just, yeah. I just re- recalled later on that moment mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure, but I wanted to be right with the Lord. Sure. So not long after that, um, within weeks, we were shipped off to the Angolan border. And it was within about four weeks or something like that, that we had a contact on the Kunene River, which is the actual borderline between Namibia and Angola. And it was in that contact that we were busy with our, as we say in Afrikaans, fire and motion. You, you're going through your, your drill that you, yeah. that's been so beaten into you. you. You're just like a robot. I had absolutely no fear wow. going through this attack. So we yeah. attacked a target yeah. that we deemed an enemy target. And I shot out all my ammunition. Mm-hmm. And it was 
once I'd shot out all my ammunition that I had in my magazines that I found a tree to hide behind and uh, hiding behind this tree, I re was reloading with some spare ammunition that I had in little boxes. But that was sort of the second moment that stood still for me that later on yeah, you realized. the Lord took me, took me to. And so, so what happened in that moment? Well, in that, in that moment, it's just the world stood still for yeah. me. And I realized, in, you needed. in a twinkling of an eye, I realized that I could be killed. More than dead, yeah. In, a, in, a, in fact, you probably went through death. I didn't, I, I wasn't ready. Yeah. But up until the moment, I was just fueled on adrenaline yeah. and training and bravado, you know. Yeah. So it was quite, quite amazing. Anyway, we, we completed the attack. We went through the, the target zone, secured it, and then pulled out of there. And I don't want to dwell on that yeah. too much. There's nothing really much more to tell there. Not long after that, we were, we were shipped back to South Africa. And then mm -hmm. when you get back to South Africa, the Defence Force sends you home to be with your family, yeah. which I duly did. I was... Um, like, lucky enough to have my father fly me back home, otherwise I'd have to have driven. But anyway, that the next night after arriving, I went out with my mates. Yeah. Got drunk. Drunk. Dead. And had an awesome time, you know. And then the next morning was hungover, but I felt fine. Yeah. And I drove home, and then on my way home, I lost control of my this was my sister's car this time I lost control of the car and I went off the side of a steep embankment mm -hmm. it was raining and I was actually going the same speed as everyone else and I didn't lose control of the car because I was hooning around no this was this was a, a real accident yeah <laughs> I can call it that safe accident however you know I don't know if I was if I had not got drunk the pre previous evening would it have been different? Would I have driven the car differently because I could feel something wasn't right? I don't know. I was, I was oblivious. And so I ended up with a consequence of losing control of the vehicle. I went off the road down a steep embankment and I was going straight for a wall. And heading for this wall, I knew I was dead. Yeah. But that's all. You know, it's, we're talking about nanoseconds that yeah. our, our mind grasps something. And all I could get out was God. Wow. It wasn't like God. It was, it was a cry. God. Yeah. And in that moment, I hit a massive big concrete block that was hidden in the... wasn't hidden. I happened to f find it. <laughs> yeah. And which ricocheted the vehicle away from this big wall, but it set the car off into a cartwheel roll, head, tail, head, tail. And when the car came to rest, where I was sitting, the car was intact. The door was open. Wow. And the rest of the car was absolutely annihilated. You know, part of the suspension and the wheel lying up, up the road. And um, I got out. Some neighbour came running and later on gave me tea and whatever. And we settled down. My parents were just so happy to, that I survived. Fast forward. Yeah. I was then shipped back to my base. Mm -hmm. And I was then deployed. I, I qualified as a platoon commander, as an officer. And I was then shipped off to another town on the Zimbabwe border. Mm -hmm. And that is where I would be deployed for a year, yeah. hidden along the border to counter insurgents. That was yeah. our mission. So we were to be hidden 
invisible. And it was during that time that I was deployed under the, you, you slept under the stars. Yeah. That I was being, I look back and say, I was being ministered, ministered to by God's creation, mm-hmm. by God himself. But mm. I didn't have any noise. Yeah. I didn't have any distractions. I didn't have the ability to go out and have fun now. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time hidden under the trees. Yeah. And it was there in that quietness that I started to feel the gap, the tension mm-hmm. between my visible behavior yeah. and yet my desire in my heart was to be right with God. Because I always believed in God. Yeah. But I was starting to realize that I'm not right with mm. Him. And so I went back to um, a, a, a city where our headquarters was. Yeah. And I sought the counsel of a, of a Christian friend you another him. officer you approached him I approached him because I knew he was a Christian yeah just knew he's a he's a Christian and I and I spoke to him and and he like smiled he was quite encouraged by me coming know, to him t- coming to speak with him and he he told me instantly that I'm, I'm just in a war between my flesh and God's calling mm-hmm. you know? and the Holy Spirit's convicting me of sin in my life and my separation from him and it was sort of all making starting to make sense yeah. and then and then i recall that my best friend's wife my best friend's mother had dragged me into her lounge to share the gospel with me because i came tearing around their um, neighborhood with my dad's yeah. land cruiser and she could just see yes yes trouble it wasn't <laughs> long after that that i did roll that vehicle yeah. caused much, massive stress between my, my father and I but thank God he's, he's forgiven me and we've moved on was there ever insurance there in South Africa? no well there were, I'm sure there was insurance but that car wasn't insured oh. so my, this guy said to me you need to go and read the Bible I can't help you well, and that's what uh, he was obviously being obedient to the Holy Spirit and yeah I then took the Bible went back to my 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 lair in the, in the bush yeah and I had all day to read, and I started reading, and I started reading Matthew. Yeah. And I read maybe five pages, mm-hmm. and I came under a wonderful conviction of my separation from God. Yet I instantly understood who Jesus Christ was. Just between he you and God. He paid the price. There. I can't be the good guy that I'm desiring to be and failing at being. And that the, my course of action was not going to end well. Yeah. So, yeah, as a platoon commander in the South African Defence Force, I dropped to my knees in tears of joy, and I gave my life to in the Jesus forest, in, a in a bush on my own with God's word. Yeah. Which has become, bar nothing else, has has become my anchor in life. Is his is his word. Yeah. I, I then after the next day I then just poured over the New Testament mm-hmm. and when I came out of the bush there I, I was just filled with a solid study of the New Testament and I felt I felt that the traditional cultural Christianity I'd yeah. grown up in whilst I had benefited from hearing the yeah, truth yeah. and the values and all the values now it's become real now it became real to me um, so Jesus was real for you 
Absolutely. And even today, I'm now, I'll turn 53 this year, so it's been 23 years. So what did yeah, you 30, do 33 years. So you came back to town? Did you, did you go, started going to church? So when I came back, I then went and studied mechanical engineering again, and yeah. I, I aced it right through to So the you end. didn't stay in the army? You could have, you could have chosen oh, yeah. to stay in the army? Yeah, but I didn't want to stay in the okay. army. I just wanted to get out as okay. soon as possible. So went back to university? Went back to study, the, we called it a technical, which is a technical university. Yeah. It's now called the University of Johannesburg. And I got my National High Diploma in Mechanical Engineering. Later on, I got my government ticket in engineering and I became a professional mechanical, mechanical technologist. Okay. So what church did you go to when you went back? When I came out, I joined um, the Church of Christ. Okay. But not the Church of Christ that it's we're familiar Australia. with here. Yeah. It's, it's an American... Version. Not, well, not even, it's not a version. It's an American church called um, the Church of Christ. In fact, the, the church I joined was the Boston Church of Christ in Johannesburg. Okay. Which really emphasized baptism and really emphasized discipleship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to... Did you get baptized? So when I, when I came out of the army, I just wanted to get baptized. Yeah. And it was in this church that I, they had a strong emphasis on being baptized. Yes. And so I got baptized there very quickly, although their, their doctrine around baptism later was the reason why I well, left, left the church, because <laughs> they made baptism everything. Okay. Uh, in fact, it, it, they said, it, well, I argued that if you're flying in a plane and you and I are having a conversation and you come to salvation in the plane, if the plane crashes but you haven't been baptized... Are you saved or not? Exactly. And for them, you're not saved because you haven't been what the, what's what's the deal with the thief on the cross then? That and by f- by faith and having read the scriptures, yeah. I knew that that that, that was. When did you meet your wife? Doctrine of an, on its own. I met her about two months after getting saved. Okay, in church. Coming home on a pass. Yeah. Which is when you, you get to go and spend time with your family. Um, my parents had moved, and they'd moved in next door to my now. Current wife, oh, my wife. Yeah. Your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and so we got to know each each other, you know, being neighbours, and yeah, got married about four years, four years later. Was she Christian? She was a Christian, yes. Okay. And she got, she joined the same church as I did, and we both got baptized fairly soon after joining the church, and we left that church together, obviously. Yeah. And then we joined... So you settled in uh, Johannesburg? Yeah. During that married time... Married life? Married life in Johannesburg. You got a job as a mechanical engineer yeah. with one of the mining groups? Or? I, was, I was originally working for a, um, a company that manufactured valves and yeah. taps. And, but then got a job at a mining company mm-hmm. as a project engineer. I worked there for a few years and... Um, I had the opportunity to climb a ladder there, certainly, but it would have meant me moving away from Krugerstorp. Okay. And you had enough of. I had no on. desire to move away to follow a career. Yeah. I was involved in my church, and so I looked for a, looked for another job. And at that time, actually, my father and I then started a crushing business. Mm-hmm. My father had always wheeled and dealed in 
crushes since he left the mines. Mm-hmm. And so I joined my father um, and we started our own little quarry. Yeah. But no sooner had we started the quarry and the, the, the quarry that we had started, or quarry, it was a, it was a crushing um, plant, crushing company. company. And we were crushing the waste coming from a gold mine. Yeah. But no sooner had we started it and the gold price Dropped. tanked back in 95. Okay. This, this company, this mine had been going for 100 years. Wow. <laughs> we joined and we thought this is going to be bliss. And it wasn't the gold price tanked. I had to go and look for a job again. My, f- my best friend offered me a job and I joined him for a while. And um, then I decided to, to really get in, back into my professional career. And I joined the company that I'm still with right now. Been with them now for 23 years. So it was with that company that I emigrated to Canada and Mm -hmm. to Australia. So it's the same same company. Okay. Which there's a Finnish. It's a Finnish company. Yeah. And the story with that company is that I I've really prospered in that company. Yeah. I've been able to see the world. I've travelled to 30 different countries. Wow. I've really been exposed to a tremendous amount of so Korea. the world and moving developed. to Canada. We wanted to move to Canada because my brother was there. Yes. And we wanted to keep the family together. When did the boys come along? The, uh, uh, both boys were born in South Africa. Yeah. In Krugersdorp. Yeah. <laughs> we were living in a different town. We, they were born in Krugersdorp. Um, so, yeah, when we moved to Canada... My eldest son now, he was six and my, or seven, and my youngest was two. Okay. Which part of Canada were you? Toronto. Toronto. About an hour out of Toronto in a little town called Guelph. Yeah, I've been through there. Oh, you have? Yeah. It's an agricultural university town. Yeah. Beautiful. So I went to Cambridge, all all those little towns. Kitchener. uh, Kitchener. Hamilton. Yeah, there's there's actually a massive Romanian community in Kitchener. Yeah. And I've, I've been to all those towns, preached the gospel around there, all the oh, way wow. to London. Yeah, did, did a lot of ministry there. Well, we went to Lakeside Church there and um, enjoyed a lot of, a lot of um, time with a men's fellowship there and promise keepers. Wow. It was just, it was a wonderful time. But it was during that time that whilst I had the comfort of having emigrated with mm-hmm. this company, Mm-hmm. And I had my brother there. Yeah. Uh, we we lived about two hours apart, mm-hmm. so we didn't we see didn't each other that much. See each other that much, and I all of a sudden went up the ranks in our company. Yeah. Before I knew it, I was the technical services manager for America mm-hmm. and Canada mm-hmm. for our construction division. Mm-hmm. So I was responsible for all the applications, sizing and selection of equipment, which was great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. In fact, it's something similar to what I'm doing right now. But I was I was gymming one night, one morning yeah. in, my, in my basement, and I felt like I, was, I couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. and I ended up having a massive panic attack, which which was later on um, told told to me after they did all their tests in the yeah. hospital. In fact, I raced off to the doctor. The doctor called the ambulance. They put me on oxygen. And I went there. And they said, you're fine. Everything's fine. You just had a massive 
panic attack. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was reflecting upon that, that I believe God was pulling me into a second installment yeah. of what it is to be born again mm-hmm. and one of His. Yeah. So I got saved in the bush. Yes. Came back to Johannesburg. But before you know it, I started leading a normal life, a good life. Yeah. Feel like a good guy and you're always active. You know, reading the Bible, active in the church and but things like hope yeah. and trust. Yeah. And faith in God were more conceptual than reality. Real. Yeah. And so I had a very steep growing moment in, in Canada. So after that after that panic attack, I, I spent I spent a good while with a kind lady, a social worker, a Christian social worker, yeah, who journeyed with me, and we and we went back in my my life, and it was during that time that she was able to really highlight some things in my life that hadn't been dealt with, mm-hmm. and. I'll tell you a, a quick story, and that is, I was suffering, after that panic attack, I was suffering with severe anxiety, mm-hmm. daily. And I had multiple panic attacks after that. What were you after afraid that. of, do you know? That's the, that's the thing, is like, you all of a sudden start understanding, but I have a fear, well, yeah. but you can't see, see it, it. Yes. and you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it's absolutely a spiritual war that I had found myself in. But it's it hasn't been imposed upon me from outside. This this was something from that within. It's from within, mm-hmm. and so um, I was able to. Or this this kind lady navigated me through through the past, where I was really able to come to terms with um, some some things in my younger life. Yeah. Um, but the story this this the story that's really profound for me is that God told me. When I say told, I just felt a strong unction. I need to go for a walk in the forest. And it was snowing. Um, and there was a favorite forest of mine where I used to go for a walk. Yeah. But the Lord said, you need to go for a walk in the forest. And, but I didn't. I was sort of like... Hesitated. I, was, I hesitated. And I was, I was quite anxious. I didn't even like leaving the, the house at that time. Mm-hmm. But a friend of mine came and visited me. And he told me, whilst we were talking, he said, you need to, you need to go for a walk in the forest. <laughs> And when he said that, I'm like, what? Wow. It was quite unnerving, I'll be yeah. honest. It, it wasn't a light moment for me. It was discomfort. And I knew I needed to go for this walk in the forest, which I duly did. But when I went for the walk in the forest, you know, or clobbered up in um, snow gear, I came across this frozen lake, yeah. a small little lake. Yeah. And... I thought I was on a new pathway. Yeah. But meantime, when I got there and I was looking, I stood still and I was busy looking at this lake. In a moment, I recognized the lake. Mm-hmm. And as I say, I froze, I instantly froze in my tracks. And instantly the Lord told me, I don't trust him. And the picture that I had was, here's a frozen lake. lake. Walk on it. That I thought I'm on a new track, so this should be new. I then recognized it, but instead of being on my left-hand side, had I known where I was, it was on my right-hand side. So actually, I was lost. Yeah. And so in that moment, the Lord told me, you're 180 degrees off course. 
Mm-hmm. So in a flash, my arms were lifted up and I was praising God just with such gratefulness. That just like he saved me in the bush. Yeah. He was rescuing me mm-hmm. from a wrong journey where you think everything's fine, but I had no clue of what faith, hope, trust, fear were actually. And things like panic and anxiety were a taboo topic, especially yeah. in South Africa. And you know, I, I prided myself in some bravado of my, my own. You want to be a tough guy. So mm. anxiety is not something that you talk about or acknowledge yeah so that started a long journey of understanding through the Psalms what David is, was going through what anxiety is and and the word trust all of a sudden was this big massive flashing word right yeah. throughout the Psalms yeah. and through the Bible you know wow. I was trusting in my job yeah I was trusting in the security and consistency of the company I'd worked for. Yeah. I was trusting in ability, my, my skills. Material I wouldn't call it wealth, but my material securities. Yeah. Everything except a tangible faith in God. Mm-hmm. So whilst I was saved, I had still not grown up. I was a baby. Yeah. And so that started a journey. And it wasn't long after that that I I acquired a discomfort with the weather in Canada mm-hmm. whereas the first three years it was not a big deal at all you didn't but feel after I after I got you missed the sun oh yeah after I succumbed succumbed to panic and anxiety I then attached the weather to it yeah and so every time the weather rolled in or we would have two weeks of blizzards no sun yeah and long winters and long nights. Yeah. And I told you right at the start of our interview that if there's something that really um, reminds me of South Africa and my younger years was the outdoors. Yeah. I grew up in the countryside. Went yeah. to school with no shoes, not because we couldn't afford them, but because that's how we rolled. It was better. It was. I loved the bush. And now all of a sudden in Canada, I'd become this. I was flying. I flew 25 times a year. Yeah. I was all over North America. Yeah. So in one sense, it was great. But it was such a far cry from who I actually am. Yeah. I love the bush. Yeah. And so I became very, very quickly, I became uncomfortable. Uneasy. With the future prospect of yeah. doing this winter for, for the rest of my life. And so I was down in Las Vegas. For a show, we our company hosted a, a booth there once a year, and I was privileged enough to be one of the presenters or one of the host, hosts. Yes. You know, man the booth. Yeah. And it was during that time I was in the Wynn the Wynn Hotel, and uh, that one of the mall cop was shot that exact. And I was in this fancy room, feeling like this is just so not me. Yeah. I just don't like this, and I was. I phoned a friend in Australia mm-hmm. and I said, is there anything happening in Australia that I could apply for? Yeah. And he called me back instantly with, yeah, that, yeah these few jobs. I lined up a, an interview, flew to Australia, yeah. got a job and um, took my family. But that little 
that little sound bite saying, yeah, I just did this, just did yeah. that. And then keep in mind that I couldn't even leave the house at one point. And if I was, if I was in a crowd of people, just the intensity of people socializing Attention. was too much for me. Uh, I used to get panic attacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't scared of anything. No, no. It's just a, a psychological state, state, state that you're in. Yeah. That I just couldn't handle. I couldn't watch any intense movies. Yeah. I couldn't deal with any emotion. In fact, that friend that told me to go for a walk in the forest, I, I told him a point, I, I can't fellowship with you at the moment because he was just too intense. Yeah. It just set me off. So from that state to being fiercely pursuant of having trust in the Lord for, for myself, because I know that that's the truth. If you don't yeah. have that, you're not, yeah. you're not walking with him. Yeah, you know, or you're not walking with him as a as a mature, maturing Christian. And so when I took my family to Australia, that was a massive leap. Mm -hmm. But I look back and say, thank you, Lord, by His grace and His calling. I knew I had to come here. I knew I had to keep moving, and I would I couldn't put my foot out the door without His strength to do so. So just like I give him all the glory for my salvation. And yeah. then I could see him in the trees and the river. Hallelujah. I get so excited just thinking about it now. Yeah. Even today when I drive around in the bush, I shared the gospel with a, a, someone today. Yeah. It's the trees, man. Do you see the, the yeah. Lord's handiwork? His creation is right there. Not two are the same. Eh? And the conviction of his Holy Spirit. Those are the two things that he showers us with all the yeah. time to turn to him. And so, yes, we came to Australia with the same company. Yeah. And I'm very blessed to... And your wife was easily... No. Was no, that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. <laughs> they loved Canada. They loved Canada. Yes. Uh, the kids as well. Uh, absolutely. They, they just enjoyed every bit of Canada. And that's... Was it the change, the radical change uh, that uh, upset them? Not really Australia, but just another change, maybe. They I became comfortable. There's a huge difference between Canada and of course, Australia. Of course. I mean, whilst we appear to share the same sort of cultural moorings and no, life's different. Life is different. Yeah. The environment's different. Yeah, obviously the climate is different. And the people's manners yeah. are, are different. But the Lord loves them all. Of course. The Lord loves us all. So yes, it was a massive adjustment for my wife. Canada was just a treat. It was yeah. a, a walk in the park for her and for my kids. Uh-huh. Except for the first few days going to school in blizzards and stuff like that. So they're like, what, what happened? <laughs> but no, they, they, How is they learned to love Australia. No, they, they absolutely love Australia. And just like I took a massive leap forward, and uh, it's obviously not the right choice of words, but there was a massive turning in my life that mm-hmm. I owe to my journey through Canada. It was necessary, and I yeah. wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't want a single second of it over. Of course. But I wouldn't trade it. Yes. If that's the journey. You needed it. I needed it. It was the process. I just thank God for it. Um, but coming to Australia, it was a challenge for my wife. She had many night, tearful nights. Like, what have we done? Why are we... Uh, my, my, my kids took it in their stride, but as the older they got, the, the more they started... Um, becoming aware of the fond memories they had of their years in Canada. Canada yeah. And and my eldest son, a little, a little bit of memories from South Africa. Mm-hmm. 
but the Lord's been so gracious to us. Our life in Perth and the outdoors has become a sanctuary for us. In fact, it's interesting that I met you in Denmark a few weeks ago while we were holidaying in Albany. I mean, out of all the places on earth, we meet in Denmark at a bakery buying lunch and you're out in the bush and I'm down there with the family five hours away from our city and uh, we are just enjoying this and you're down there enjoying it with your family. Just I, getting I see, supplies to get back into the bush. Yeah, I see the boys very, very um, in tune with life and very close to both you and your wife, which is beautiful. Amen. You do stuff as a unit, as a family unit, which is just phenomenal. I really, really love that. I love, I love to see your boys, mm. you know, even when they come here to prayer and to various breakfast initiatives. You, you're quite involved with, with men at the moment yeah. in the fellowship, in men's fellowship and organizing breakfast for them. And mm. how did that begin? It actually also started back in South Africa. Okay. The, the Lord laid it on my heart. Not in a, not in a single moment. It was... It was part of my story that um, having these friends in my final year in school, I had such a strong friendship with them, and we all became, ex- except for one, we all became Christians, yeah, born again, mm-hmm. Bible-believing Bible Christians. And we, we just felt that we'd grown up, spent so much time in church, mm-hmm. but we didn't know the Bible. Mm-hmm. We didn't know the Lord. Yeah. And so it, it was part of that journey where I started sharing more and more and more with people I came into contact with. I couldn't not share the gospel. Yeah. And just to see so many men leading their families ignorantly. Yeah. Um, for, you know, forgive me for highlighting it, but certainly from my vantage point, so many men were not leading their home well. Yeah. And it was only after reading God's word that I could see the severe difference between uh, people's comfort in the culture they'd grown up mm-hmm. versus the distance between them and true Christianity. Yeah. And so I, I felt like an alarm uh, yeah. to call out to them, say, you know, and share, and share the gospel and journey with them. Anyway, so it started there. Then... Through, my, through our journey in, in Canada, I, I was part of a men's fellowship. Because when you emigrate, you don't have your family. Yeah. There's, a good in the, there's a good side to having family, a wonderful yeah. side. Yeah. Something that I long for. Yeah. And I miss tremendously. Yeah. But there's another side. You end up in such a, uh, an environment of complacency. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you ship off to another country, you don't know anybody. That's right. As a Christian, you step into a church and you inherit brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters instantly. Yeah. And there's, there's portions of scripture that just speak so loudly to this is when you leave mother and father uh-huh. and land and brother and sister. And yet he says, in sense. this life, you'll get a hundred times more. Yeah. It doesn't say you'll get a hundred more wives. He says <laughs> brothers and sisters <laughs> and right. land. But it's in that sense that I, I became so comforted and strengthened yeah and i grew so in the church yeah. more so than when you know in, in south africa and with that as a backdrop coming to australia i just had this unction the whole time to want to be part of a men's fellowship 
Yeah. But not a men's fellowship just to share war stories and no, no, no. go and fish together. Truly to... Life to, on life. To do life together and keep each other alerted to the dangers around. Yeah. Just like Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, yeah. Where Christian is, you know, with hopeful, with faithful, with and by God's grace, we make it to the end. Yeah. So I do not want to stumble. No. I've stumbled plenty. Yeah. But I want to finish well. I want to take my final breath and know and fall into the arms of Jesus. And so it's it's with that unction. It's 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 like I can't shake it off. Yeah. I have that same feeling towards the men. Yeah. To desire that they walk like that with their wives. Yeah. And with their sons and daughters yeah. and with their friends. And in our church is that men be active and present yeah. in church. Yeah. Not because they're told to. That's religion again. No. But because they have a living and active relationship with God. And how do they how do they do it? Well, by God's grace, all of us can have that relationship yeah. with God. But God has so ordained it that we are to minister to one another and bump each other and push and pull to get each other to toe that narrow, narrow line. What's the legacy do you want to leave behind for the generations that come after? Well, that's a big that's a big question because even today we we were in a, a men's fellowship where one of our dear brothers was reflecting on his legacy at a very old age. Yeah. And he tearfully recounted the legacy that he feared others had of him was one of pressure. Yes. And success. Mm-hmm. Not financial success, just being successful. Yeah, yeah. Achieving and, something. And as, and as we reflected on it, I could also put the word in there, survival. Survival mm-hmm. is sometimes cloaked. It's the, it's the same word or it's the same force, but yeah. just with different names, whether you call it success or survival. We, we pursue these things and take our eyes off the Lord. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's with that um, success and, and, and survival as a, as a driving force in so many people's lives. It's the opposite of that that I want to leave. How would you The legacy it? that I would like to leave is that I walked with God. I was led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that through all his failures and um, fooling himself that he was something. Yeah. My legacy should be my children and their children, uh, men around me, men around us, just being influenced by God using us as empty vessels. Beautiful. Not anything that I can do. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Adrian. We really value um, you being vulnerable and open with us. Uh, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful uh, way to hear somebody uh, be really open and just sharing with us what he's gone through. Um, yeah, the legacy behind is that we need to trust in the Lord and not seek our own successes or anything else. Yeah. And I like what he said also that we should be active and present in every day and I think we're going to call this uh, this episode active and present and uh, if you love this um, this show and you'd like to share it with others please share it um, give us a nice star rating hopefully five stars and uh, yeah just share it with other people leave us a comment connect with us and join us for more stories from down under this is Nathaniel Costia and you've watched Kingdom Stories from Down Under 
thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours. Thank you.